Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, Japan has some of the world's oldest and scariest paranormal stories. An abandoned round schoolhouse that has seen children disappear into thin air when it was in operation now sits decaying in the forest. Some of those that go to explore it never come back, but those that do are never the same. There's a bridge with a dark past that sits in a Japanese national park near a beautiful waterfall. As scenic as it sounds, you don't want to venture too closely to this bridge, especially at night and whatever you do. Don't read the sign that tells the tragic story, because it just might be cursed. This is episode number 85 of Hometown Ghost Stories. Kenzo shined his flashlight around the forest as he held his camera out for his viewers to see the surroundings. I think I'm lost, he said to the thousands of viewers eagerly watching him as he headed to his destination. Kenzo had been trying to make it big on social media and had built quite the following. Wanting to do something to bring people in to watch him, he decided to investigate a haunted location at night. Alone. The place he decided on was Orainbuchi, where the wailing women were said to lurk. These spirits were supposedly even more vicious towards men, and he thought it'd be the perfect place to drum up some views. As he trampled around the forest looking for a bridge, a shriek made him stop suddenly in his tracks. The chat box lit up and was moving too fast to keep up with. Most replies saying some form of, what was that? Kenzo held his phone out and panned the area. You guys heard that? What do you think it was? He said confidently. Although underneath the bravado, his heart was beginning to beat out of his chest and he just wanted to leave. But he was up to 10,000 viewers. Ten times more than he had ever had. As he panned the camera he caught sight of a bridge. There it is, he cried out joyfully. Should we go over? He joked with the chat. The chat box once again lit up with many saying, hurry, get over there. Kenzo took a deep breath and headed towards the bridge. He had a weird feeling he was being watched and not just from the live stream viewers. He approached the bridge and read the sign of what happened to the women here hundreds of years ago. It's definitely really sad what happened to them, but I'm here to show you guys that there's no ghost or even a curse, he exclaimed confidently to his viewers. He took a step onto the bridge, and as his foot landed, he felt something rush past the left side of his face. He spun quickly and ended up dropping his flashlight over the railing. It's fine, guys. I'll just use the light on my phone. As he turned the light on the phone on, he thought he saw a shadow on the bridge ahead. Hello? Hello? He cried out, but there was no response. The live viewers were egging him on to go see who or what this shadow was. He began forward, and after a few steps, the shadow vanished. As he stood in the middle of the bridge terrified, he put on a brave face for the camera. See, I told you guys there was nothing to worry about, he gloated. He stared at the chat box that started to light up faster than he'd ever seen. They were all typing out, BEHIND YOU, in giant capital letters. He looked at the picture he was streaming to his viewers and saw the shape of a woman with dark black hair, covering her face slowly inching in from over his left shoulder. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories. The Wailing Women of Orion Bucci and the Round Schoolhouse.
Japan. Yamanashi Prefecture, off of Highway 411, sits an area called Arainbuchi, an area with a beautiful waterfall. And many believe that it is haunted by spirits that hold evil intentions. In the 1570s, the area was ruled by the Takata clan. They had set up many gold mines in the area and created a small village for the miners they ruled over to stay in. As they found gold, they would bury caches around the area to keep the treasure safe. The Takata clan knew that the miners would want women to keep their spirits high after spending long days beneath the earth. They brought in 55 women to the small village for the men to experience some companionship. After a while, the mines began to run dry, and the Takata clan knew they were going to have to pack up and go. They wouldn't be able to move all the gold at once. Their attention turned to the 55 women that they had brought in. There was fear that some of the miners may have let slip to them where some of the gold was buried. A plan was formed. The leaders told the women to get a dance together for a celebration in the evening. That night, the clan had the women perform a dance on the bridge over the river leading to the waterfall. Mid-dance, members from the clan began to hack at the vines on both sides of the bridge, sending the women plummeting below. The bodies crashed over the waterfall and eventually all washed up on a shore at a nearby village. The villagers took the women and buried them, placing a marker. Today, a sign now sits outside of the bridge that hangs in the area of the tragic events. Locals believe that the sign is cursed, though, and if you read it all the way until the end, tragedy will befall you. The location is also rife with paranormal activity. The spirits that haunt the location are referred to as the Wailing Women. Nighttime is especially active in this location. The sounds of women screaming as they fall below have been heard often from the bridge. Many people have also reported hearing singing coming from the area, only to never be able to find the source. Men especially are warned to not go to the bridge during nighttime, as numerous men have reported being attacked while on the bridge by an invisible force that tries to push them over. It is believed that the wailing women are imprinted on the land and trying to exact revenge on any man that they encounter. 1988, Hokkaido, Japan. The first ray of sunshine in 15 days poked through the dense blanket of gray that hung low in the sky. Yuko could feel the mud squish beneath the wet leaves as she trekked through the forest. It was early October, and typically the leaves would be hanging on the trees, showcasing their radiant shades of orange and red but the record amounts of rain and wind over the last two weeks had stripped them from their branches and scattered them across the forest floor. Yuko lagged a few paces behind her two best friends, Tomoko and Mayumi, who seemed to be a bit more enthusiastic about their adventure than Yuko did. She watched them as they skipped along, hopping over the large pools of water that had gathered into puddles from the rain. This part of the forest had a dark, forbidding atmosphere, partly due to the rumors. At least, Yuko hoped they were rumors. They were headed to the abandoned round schoolhouse that was for some reason located deep in the woods. The trio traversed their way through the overgrown path beneath the tangle of naked tree limbs and branches that intertwined overhead as if they were locking arms to conceal the forest from the waning sunlight. Mayumi called out from ahead that she could see the schoolhouse and began to sprint. Yuko caught up to Tomoko and the two girls tried to catch up to their friend who excitedly navigated her way through the trees. Yuko could also see the schoolhouse now. A large circular building made from concrete that had fallen into disrepair. 
It appeared to be surrounded by water, almost like a castle moat with trees poking out. All the rain had effectively turned the ground into a swampland. Before they realized it, Yuko and Tomoko had caught up to Mayumi, who had stopped running. She wasn't focused on the schoolhouse anymore. She appeared to be looking off to the right. Did you hear that? Mayumi asked. Yuko was about to respond that she did not when she heard a low moaning sound coming from behind a large elm tree. The tree was massive, ancient. The base of the trunk was knotted and burled from what could have been centuries of growth. Another low moan croaked out from behind the tree. It sounded like the groan of an old man. Come here, the voice croaked. Just then, a pale hand with long bony fingers and swollen knuckles stretched out from behind the tree and beckoned the girls to come around. The hand looked like it could have been one of the tree's gnarly branches, but the index finger curled back in a come-hither gesture. Yuko and Tomoko took a step back, but Mayumi began walking towards it. Yuko immediately followed her friend as she disappeared behind the tree. Yuko called Mayumi's name and quickened her pace, trying to catch up as the girl circled the tree in pursuit of whatever had called out to them. Just as she was about to catch up, she ran straight into Tomoko, who had circled the tree in the other direction. They looked at each other confused, before turning around and running back around the tree in opposite directions, calling out to Mayumi. Again, they bumped into each other. Mayumi was gone, never to be seen again. Deep within the woods of Bibai, a town within the island of Hokkaido, sits a decrepit round schoolhouse. Originally built as a wooden structure in 1906, it would be converted into a school in the 1940s to support the families of miners that worked in the area. In the 1950s, the school was rebuilt with concrete as opposed to wood. It would close its doors in 1974, shortly after an incident that baffles locals and law enforcement to this day. The kids from one of the younger classrooms were preparing to go on recess when the bell finally rang. The children ran to the playground in front of their teachers. It was 15 minutes of bliss for the children as they played on the equipment and games with their friends. As they entered back through the door, one of the teachers counted the children as they entered the schoolhouse. After the last child passed through, the teacher realized they were a student short. Quickly upon re-entering the classroom with the kids while other teachers searched the grounds, a roll call was done. They figured out it was one of the girls from the classroom, but there was no trace. The other students didn't see anything. The school was isolated, and it would have been impossible for her to wander off in the short time without being found, or for someone to take her without being seen. But alas, nothing. They searched for weeks for the girl, yet not even a small clue appeared. It was as if she had just vanished. Many children and Japanese citizens had gone missing around this time. There were those that believed that human trafficking, North Korea, and even the Japanese army were responsible for those that would vanish without a trace. There were others that believed something different, though. Historical Japanese culture believed that kami, or gods, were everywhere. Trees, water, practically anything you saw could have a kami watching you. If you angered one of these kamis, they occasionally would take you with them to another realm without leaving a trace behind. This is known as being spirited away. Shortly after the young girl went missing, the school was abandoned. Since then, it has been left to rot. The ground floor is caked in mud and water with various animals taking it over. However, it appears that's not the only creatures calling this place home. Since the time of the school closing, urban explorers have taken the time to go check out this old round school. Many have reported feeling watched from the time they enter the forest, 
shadows following them from behind trees and bushes, supplying a negative energy until they leave. Unfortunately, though, several have never returned. Upon investigation, cars pulled off to the side of the road are found belonging to the missing people, or occasionally, a backpack. Other than that, there's no signs of them or where they could have gone. Mediums have been called into the area to help assist in trying to find the missing. They all report the same thing. They can't see the missing people, but there is a number of very dark and terrifying spirits within the area. Some of the people that have gone missing have returned, and these cases might be even more terrifying. They have been driven insane, all rambling incoherently. Some have mentioned witnessing something shocking, but never say what. Within the school seems to have the most paranormal energy. Some claim to even have seen a glimmering like portal appear. After witnessing it, the activity intensifies. Doors slamming, objects flying, even people being attacked by shadow-like beings. The locals stay away from the old round school now and warn that those that come to explore it, that they should turn back. Most don't heed the words, and fortunately many do come back. However, maybe there is some truth to the legend and that the others are simply spirited away. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 85. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. What's going on? I'm uh, excited to finally talk about Japan. It is like on my bucket list of countries I want to visit in general. So talking about the hauntings is super cool. Absolutely. Cool episode. Very fun. We're also joined by Dave, who is very cool and very fun as well. Hello, Dave. Hello. I am also very excited to talk about the hauntings in Japan because... This is a topic I also find very interesting. Yeah, and haunted forests are always fun. And I think we have our first haunted sign here on Hometown Ghost Stories, right? Oh, our first haunted sign? Mm-hmm. Um, the curse? Wasn't there another one? Didn't we have one more that like... Oh, no, I'm thinking of the book. I'm thinking of the book. Yeah, there was Shams. And then there was a sign also at the Pebbles Beach or whatever that place was that we covered which kind of explained it, but it wasn't anything like if you read this sign, then you're in danger of the hauntings that will follow. So I think this is the first sign that has a curse tied to it. Yeah. It's interesting because there's the hauntings, there's the curse. It was uh, definitely one of the places that caught my attention. And I do want to thank Dave for contributing a ghost story for this episode. So thank you. I'll be nice to you for once in my life. Thanks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks for asking. It was fun. (laughs) was cool people seem to be a fan of these little collaboration episodes maybe we should do it more often so uh, i do want to say what's up to everyone who's hanging out in live chat i see a lot of you guys hanging out we got a few gifted memberships so enjoy those i believe rob gifted pretty much all of them so enjoy your new memberships for those listening in and want to be part of that for one dollar a month you can be part of the youtube members they get exclusive access to video content and they also unlock these cool emotes that people are spamming and your ghost changes colors the longer you're subbed for So one month you get a white ghost and it turns turquoise. And then I don't know what color comes next, but we'll find out as the new month is approaching. But thank you guys so much for joining. As always, audio listeners who are trickling over, we see more and more of them every single week. So it's always good to have audio listeners tuning in live for the first time. Always fun. So let's talk about Japan. Let's talk about it. So there's Orion Bucci was the first place that we covered. And this story has a lot of different iterations to it about what happened we don't have all the facts either so basically the takata clan ruled this area in the 1500s to the 1570s and what they would do to support 
themselves to support their wars and everything was mine gold in these areas. And in order to mine gold, they actually had to set up basically like towns. So very like similar to the gold rush, you know, how towns just kind of rose up out of nowhere. We had these gold rush towns over here in America. They kind of had that set up here where they, they brought in security. They brought in like guards, they brought in miners and, when you're dealing with that, they also felt they needed to bring in the women to entertain the men. So that was kind of what these towns were. And what's a little bit different in this situation is when they would get the gold, obviously they would use it to support themselves, but they would also bury it in like caches around the area. Yeah, that it was they, like for the gods, right? Right. So they would do it as offerings to the gods most of the time or sometimes just to hide it but mainly it was offerings to the gods to help them win battles and it did not work for the takata clan because they started to get absolutely decimated so what you're saying is if we do visit we're gonna bring a shovel so many shovels so many shovels we're going to take folks we're getting all of it we're taking all the gold i want to know where the gold at um so yeah, we're we're gonna go get all the gold there, but they started getting decimated. Their leader died, and then his son died, and they were practically like on their last legs. And as the story goes, and there's a few different versions of the story. One is that the women were basically prostitutes, right? And the other one is that the women were actually ninjas, like they were like a female version of a ninja. I like the second story way better. So maybe it's a combination. It could have been a combination, but these female, they were worried that either these, you know, these women of the night or these ninjas just knew too many secrets or knew where the gold was hiding. And there's 55 of them is what we know. And they build this platform. It's like a bridge over the waterway. They're like, hey, we need you to do a dance, which feels very suspicious. Right. But maybe it was a, a standard thing. And they're like, but we not if they, not if they're ninjas. You don't ask ninjas to dance. You never, <laughs> never ask ninjas to dance. That's what I've heard. So they put them on this platform. They start dancing, and then just some of the guards come on both sides of this thing and start hacking at the vines, sending them crashing into the river. They said that some of them actually survived until they went over the waterfall, and their bodies all wash up on shore at this village, and the village actually takes the bodies, buries them and builds a gigantic monument for the 55 women. What's unknown is what happened to the miners. Because you would think that if you're going to dispatch the women that are there, you're going to want to get rid of the miners too, because they're probably the ones who know even more. So we're, we're unclear of what happened to them if they met a similar fate. So there could be even more tragedy here, but like, we talked about Jack the Ripper last week. It was terrifying. It was five victims. Mm-hmm. These guys killed 55 women in one swoop, basically. They knocked this platform over, intentionally ending the lives of 55 women, which is a lot. And you can fully understand why this area is very haunted. Yeah, that'll do it for sure. I mean, it's, it's widely believed that when you have this many deaths, like, really quick that's what could lead to uh leave an imprint on the land so that is definitely something that could lead to a vast amount of hauntings so many deaths so quick that's crazy do you know if it's uh mostly residual hauntings or does it seem like there's intelligent ones no for the most part you just hear the screams right no this seems like there's a lot of intelligent hauntings going on here because there is an aggression towards men so it's a pretty dangerous bridge. I showed a couple pictures of it. Wasn't super easy to find video of the bridge itself to show people, but it's it doesn't look like the safest bridge to cross. And there are reports of men who have gone there at night and they feel like they're getting kind of pushed off the bridge. So that sounds like it's more intelligent than residual i'm sure there is some residual energy there and that's what the screams and stuff probably are but i think that there's some intelligent hauntings going on here if they're just if they're able to distinguish who's a man who's a woman and they're targeting 
men yeah as absolutely. like a sense of revenge so it's a it's a creepy place to go to and i'm going to be honest i would still go there at night because we would have to it would be terrifying the bridge looks terrifying itself but we've, yeah. so we've, they so they cut down this bridge and they just like well we actually need that bridge so we're just gonna put it back up well it was in the 1570s jesse so they turned it into a national park it's clearly not the same bridge but it's covering it's the land it's made out of stone those things last forever yeah there are there are bridges in europe that are that old i think not the one that got knocked down couldn't have been stone because they cut it down with from the vines right right they built but the platform way, so. that night so is the new bridge in the same spot as the old bridge was or is this just kind of speculation i'm sure there's no way to tell that for sure i'm sure it's located relatively close to it though and then we get into the sign like you brought up and i don't know where the hell that story came from they erected the sign to tell of the passing and that's another way to know you know basically the history of it you go there you can read the sign you can read about what happened but apparently people that have read the whole sign have had like misfortune come to their lives and that part seems a bit convenient seems a bit gimmicky almost mm. seems like a, an added on thing but unfortunately i i have no i have no way to rebut it is what i would say I do want to go back to the ninja thing because there is actually some ground in this. And it's not just like, well, they could have been ninjas too because that just sounds like a ridiculous thing to say. But they, this clan actually hired women ninjas. Or I, I think the plural, plural term for ninja is ninja. So they hired women ninja. I'm going to say ninjas. And they basically used them to go as like spies and spy on other clans. And right. then, but they also had information about, what was it, the uh, Takeda tribe clan? Takata clan. Takata, yeah. So the Takata clan. So they also had information on the Takata clan, which is why they think that would have been the motive. Maybe they knew too much, and that's why they they would have executed them. So exactly. So there's there's just so many different versions of the story. But yeah, that one does seem relatively sounds right. Like it sounds it sounds it sounds like the reason they would do something like that. So and and there's the whole thing that Orion, it's called Orion Bucci. And Orion is actually a term that means like high class prostitute. And that term wasn't even created until after into the 1600s. So they think that it just might be something that kind of transcended afterwards. And that's why they called it that. And it just kind of stuck. The name just kind of stuck. So it, it it's a whole different thing. But it's in Japan too. So it's hard to find a lot of information on this because you know they kind of have their own internet over there for the most part so we're relying on translations and other people to get us this story so it's a but it does seem as though this is an actual event that happened japan does acknowledge it you can go there it is relatively close to tokyo too so it's not really that hard to get to the other place we're going to talk about it's a little harder to get to but it sounds like this is just a park that is pretty close to Tokyo. I saw, I actually looked up some travel routes to get there and you can get there basically by train from Tokyo. So someplace you could visit. If you well, said they, built a, they said they built a monument. Is the monument still there? Well, the monument, I meant, oh, you're talking about that village. So the village, I mean, that was in the 1570s. I don't think that monument's still there. I think that village is gone. So I think that was just like passed down verbally or written, but it could still be there. I didn't see anything about it still being there though. Hmm, and I would think okay. that if it was, we would have some photos of it I think or so something too. to that, to that effect. But I think again, we're talking 500 years ago, 450 right, years ago. Add it to the list. When we go bring shovels and small monument that we could leave there. Your short list of places you want to go, right? No, I was making a short list of things to bring to Japan. Oh, okay. this is an expensive one. So this is this is towards the. This is around the middle of the list. Very long list. Japan's one of the two places I want to go to the most. Like just in general, I want to go to New Zealand and I want to go to Japan. Maybe you can get them in one fell swoop. You yeah. might want to because it's the both of them are like super long trips. They are. They're on. They're like on that same hemisphere. I think, aren't they? Yeah, they're both yeah, right. on. They're both on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> Rent a motorcycle, go from one to the other. Yeah. Do you remember? So 
I know me and Jesse used to look at this and laugh at this. We're old. There used to be a thing called MapQuest where mm. you could get your directions there. You would print them out. There was I don't even remember where it was to, but if you put in you wanted to go to this one place, it would be like, all right, here's what you need to do. You need to go to the airport. You need to fly to Africa. You need to go to the Strait of Magellan. When you get to the Strait of Magellan, this is literally what MapQuest said, you need to get on a jet ski and jet ski over to Australia. And we were just like, the fuck are these directions? I don't remember. I, awesome. I, I, I do remember that, that it had these really particular directions for this one place. But I'm pretty sure if ever you tried to map quest something that crosses like an ocean, it then tells you to get on a jet ski. It's just like, I don't that, know. That's your, that's your solution, map quest, is the jet ski across the Atlantic or Pacific Ocean. It was just bonkers just always at that point why, why not map quest why not that could have been the thing that would have kept them in business if they actually just started doing jet ski rentals ah almost had it uh matthew thomas dropping two dollars in super chat says that uh ninja sex workers were as cool as juicy juice yes agreed very good big on so juicy that, juice back then so that's basically a rhyme bucci it, it seems like a Again, if we ever went to Tokyo, which I think we should at some point, that's when maybe we get a little bit bigger and we can afford a trip to Tokyo to cover some places. Because, I mean, come on. Of all the ghosts, like Japan has some crazy, scary ghosts. We, we've covered some of them on like our History of Ghosts series. Mm -hmm. And they're... The, their ghost in general, just their type of ghost, are scary. Going to a haunted location in Japan, I don't see many people doing it, and I think it would be so. I don't know, man. I don't know if that's one of the places I could stay all night. Is is a haunted Japanese location because those ghosts are creepy AF. Yeah, their ghost stories are really good, and they're really they're all really old and sort of proverbial. Like they mm -hmm. almost sort of have like meaning behind them. And they're just, they're all really unique and they're all so terrifying. And it's terrifying. This is why you get such good ghost stories, movies that come out of Japan. They do a really good job with those. We talked about it uh, in our movie reviews in the past. But um, I have an ancient Japanese ghost story here if you want to hear it. It's we a pretty do. good one. We do. All right, let's hear it. This is called Earless Hoichi. So long ago, there was a Buddhist priest named Hui Hoichi who played. A Judas priest? The best. I say Judas. I think I said Buddhist. Okay, just confirming. All right. <laughs> there was a Buddhist, the details. This is going to be really difficult if you keep doing this to me. <laughs> Hoichi played the biwa, and that's a musical instrument that's kind of like a lute. He was also blind, but he was great at his instrument. So one night at the monastery... Do you think that was what Beggy was talking about? Really, I really need you to stop. When he said, when he said <laughs> give me the lute, give me the lute. What if he was just talking about that instrument? <clears throat> Sorry, I couldn't forget my biggie joke, and you guys loved it, so I'm so glad I did that. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right, I'm done. done. I want, I want you to know, Dave, that I had muted my mic so that that didn't Thank happen you. again. Thank you. <laughs> so one night at the monastery, the abbot was away at a funeral, and Hoichi sat alone playing his biwa. He was startled suddenly by the booming voice of a samurai who must have snuck into the building while he was focused on his music. The samurai commanded Hoichi to come with him to play for his lord. He allowed the samurai to lead him off into the woods and to the lord of the samurai who requested Hoichi play the song of the Denora. Now, the Denora was a story of a tragic event that took place 800 years ago prior on the Denora Straits. Two rival clans, the Hike and the Genji, had an epic battle, and the Genji clan was victorious. The Hike clan was slaughtered, including the women and children. So Hoichi played this song for the lord, and the lord was pleased. He requested Hoichi return the following night and play for the whole clan. He agreed, and he returned to the monastery. When he got back, the abbot asked where he had been, and Hoichi told him. The abbot was skeptical and decided to secretly follow Hoichi. The abbot waited for the samurai to come for Hoichi that night, and he secretly followed him. And he watched as the pair walked into the woods, but he ended up losing them. After a while, he heard the biwa playing in the distance. So he approached the area where the sound, where he heard the sound coming from, and to his shock, he found Hoichi standing in the middle of the hike graveyard, unknowingly playing for a circle of tall, pale figures. Terrified, the abbot ran back to the monastery and waited for Hoichi to return. 
When he did, he told him what he saw and warned him that these were the ghosts of the slaughtered Heike clan and to not, to not return back there because the clan would haunt him till he died. So to protect him, he covered his body with uh, a spell in ink and he covered every inch of his body. And he said, now the ghosts can't get to you. But he forgot to cover Hoichi's ears and he left. And after he left, Hoichi sat alone and sure enough, the ghosts came for him and they were able to find him because they could see his ears. So they grabbed his ears and tore them off. And then oh. Hoichi had no ears. Japanese That's ghost the stories story. are the scariest. They are I brutal. Not expecting it to go in that direction. No. It was titled Earless Hoichi, so you could have possibly <laughs> by the title. I was like, you guys got to get better at titling your ghost stories and not giving away the punchline there. Yeah, they're absolutely terrifying, but you got you got to fix that whole situation. You're really jessying that story when you give that title. Yeah, really. <laughs> I never spoiled anything, and Rob has never died in a video game. Well, and that's the second part's true. <laughs> um, well, thank you for sharing that story because it was terrifying if uh anyone wants to hear another terrifying japanese ghost story go listen to our kikimura history of ghost episode because we talk about a very very terrifying story there i don't want to rehash it here but that was it's a brutal story it's very scary and uh, you should listen to that but for now jessica brings up sorry to, i just want to pull up this comment he was blind and now they ripped his ears off too that is that is tough man that's a rough that is, that's, that's a rough, rough existence after that Yikes. That's fine, Jesse. We're used to you interrupting Dave, interrupting me, interrupting Ghost on Spirit Boxes. It's uh it's My job thing. is to come here and talk. All right. If one of you gets in the way, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 all right. So I think it's about time we get into the round schoolhouse. And this was actually the first story that I found when I was trying to figure out, there's so many, I was looking at so many different stories for Japan that I was like, man, um, I don't know how to limit this to one or two stories. These were the two that I found really interesting. There's a whole castle story that I might have to cover at some point as well, but the round schoolhouse, just the setting of the round schoolhouse is terrifying. You have this old, like built out of concrete, this round, decrepit, like animals living in it, and there's no roads to it anymore, which I, is what I find like the creepiest part of it. Like to get to this school, you have to hike through the woods. So to get there, you actively have to be going there. It's not like you're driving, like, oh, I've seen that haunted place on a TV show. Let me pull over and take a picture of it. It's like, no, you have to go to this island hike through the woods to actually show up here yeah and it's not just your everyday woods too it's basically like a swamp like it's all just wet and muddy too so it's not like an enjoyable hike through the you know nature right and you're seeing these broken down cars and some of these cars are from people that actually went missing to never be seen again like they literally are just gone and when i was researching this story the thing that I found interesting was the was how like in ancient Japanese culture, they used to believe in this term that translates to American basically as spirited away. And I talk about it a little bit, but some of the history behind spirited away is even more kind of despicable. So they come up with this term spirit away. And like we said, the, the commies, the, which is what they believe as gods are pretty much everywhere. And I showed a video of a fox because a lot of times the spirited away story is a fox leading you to another dimension. So a fox would appear, you follow the fox and you're never to be seen again. Basically, it brings you to wherever because you did something to anger them. And that's like the the nice, the, weirdly, the nice version of spirited away. That's actually what you hope happened to these people because what actually happened to people that were spirited away, quote unquote, in ancient Japanese culture, it was when families got too big and they couldn't feed everybody. So they would either send a, the elderly to a mountain to just go live in the mountain. Like, Hey, you're going here now, gramps. Um, don't come back. 
you're living on this mountain and good luck. We're never going to see you again. I'd do it. I'd volunteer. I'll go live in a mountain. <laughs> sounds peaceful as hell. <laughs> yeah. When you're like 85 and you None if you're old it. and in need of care, it's like, let me get <laughs> yeah. you in the most inconvenient. Good luck finding your way to CVS grandpa. <laughs> That's tough. So there's that. And the other one was they would do this with their kids. If they ended up having too many kids, they would pick a child to send to basically a brothel to work in, to never be seen again. And what they would tell their family, like, so what the parents would tell their kids, the, the younger kids, is that, oh, your brother or your grandfather or whoever must have angered one of the gods because they disappeared. We don't know what happened to them. They're gone forever, basically. So it seems almost it makes worse it than the truth. Like grandpa went to go live on the mountain is much better than go stole grandpa because you're bad. Yeah, no, because they were bad. Like yeah, that person exactly. that got oh, stolen. Oh, that grandpa was bad. Yeah. I thought it meant see, I'd use that, I'd use it disciplinary. Like, see that you didn't clean up your room and now the ghost stole grandma. Yeah. Now mom's in the basement buried underneath the floorboards because yeah. of you. In Japan, so, when your mom starts counting to three, you you do what she says. <laughs> It's not like the American mothers when they count to three and nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's that's where like a lot of the actual spirited away people were going. But then you fast forward to like the 1960s, 1970s. There was a lot of people in Japan that were going missing. And as I touched on in the video, it was human trafficking stuff for sure. That was happening then. It's happening now. It's very unfortunate. That's why how people are missing. And the other thing they believe they were you know, Japan is always in a conflict with North Korea. So they were saying that North Korea was coming over and kidnapping people and bringing them back to North Korea. But even scarier, there's belief that I wouldn't even rule that out. (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's something that that they're, they actually admitted to it at one point, then they took it back. But that's what countries like that, you know, like dictatorships do. they, they admit to doing things and they're like, no, actually it wasn't us. And they go back and forth on it. The scariest one is they believe that the Japanese army was kidnapping some of their own citizens for various reasons, like to do serving the army. Um, I think it was more to do sort of like what America did with the MK ultra project. So, I mean, not that America is a lot better with that stuff, we had the MK Ultra project. I think Japan was doing something similar to that, but they were just forcefully taking people to participate in it. Supposedly, there's no hard evidence on that. It was. Do it's you want a to belief. expand on that? Or are you going to assume that all the listeners know what the MK Ultra project is? Um. So the MK Ultra project should probably just be a side content episode. I don't really know how to concisely talk about the MK Ultra project, but the government was trying some really weird experiments to make some really weird stuff happen with people is the best it way to comes say down it. to mind control experiments during the cold war is yeah. how you basically summarize it yeah no bueno so, yeah it was no good so lots of different reasons the the weird one with the school though is the girl that went missing is the school has always been kind of off the beaten path there was like one road in essentially so if you were coming to the school, people saw you. Uh, and it was hard to kind of go missing from this school. And this girl went missing within a matter of moments. And usually if someone wandered off, they'd find them right away. Or if someone came and kidnapped her, they would have seen them coming to get her. This girl just vanished. None of her classmates saw her leave. None of the teachers saw her leave. She was just gone. And it was like very puzzling. There was no evidence at all. And just gone and then right after this happens the school essentially shuts down like it's i think it's the same year that she goes missing the school is just done they just shut it completely down i think the mine had closed there was like a a big mine around there that a lot of the families worked at so i think that played into it too i don't think it was just the disappearance but i'm sure it didn't help i'm sure once the kid disappeared there's not a lot of work there people are like you know what Maybe it's time to get the hell out of here and we'll get uh, off this island and go back to where there's a little bit more civilization. 
It was also built in like 1904. It was actually a wooden structure to begin with. They rebuilt it in the 50s as the concrete structure. So they're not sure if it was built as a round building to begin with or if that kind of was incorporated more in the 50s. But when it was rebuilt in the 50s, it only lasted for like 25 years at most before it was shut down completely. Looks like a pretty bad location. Um, I mean, and then we got a comment. I think it was um, Serena who said, looks like a place I'd like to investigate. I would too. It's just, it looks like it's half underwater from what I've seen. And people that have been there, they're like, yeah, oh yeah, it was, you know, it's hard to get around in there. And there's literally things just swimming around and and Mm -hmm. things growing in there. So it seems like a relatively unpleasant place to be. But if I were in Japan, I would definitely make the journey out there to go see it, throw on my rubber boots and make it happen. It'd be a tough one because it's on an island. I would go do it myself, but this isn't a location like I was saying before. You can't just be like, I'm going to go investigate this place today. You need to be prepared to go to this place. You're hiking through the woods. You're dealing with that water that you're talking about. Is it also off limits? Because going into a, a different country and breaking rules, not a good idea. I didn't see, see anything saying that it was off limits. Um, I think it's one of those things that maybe it is, but it's so far off the beaten path that it's like, you want to go there? Yeah, go ahead. Go knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. You don't want to show back up. And some of the stuff that has happened to people there is really, really interesting in terms of the hauntings. You have people that have gone there that have never come back. They're just gone. They don't know. They don't find bodies. They don't know where they went. There, as we brought up before, their cars are just sitting there. Like that's a big eerie reminder as you're rolling up and you're just seeing the abandoned cars right that are still there. So it's yeah, it's like that. It's almost like climbing Mount Everest and just seeing the dead bodies as markers. Yeah. Yeah, Mount Everest, terrifying. Every time we climb it, I'm like, man, that was scary. Every (laughs) every every Wednesday when we climb it, just that's that's our normal weekly workout. Um, what is it? Green boots? Is it green boots? Is one of the bodies that one like frozen bodies? Yeah, yeah. They I don't know use if that's his name, but that's what they they call the body. It's like I think it's green boots they use as a marker. They're like, oh, you go up this part over here, you pass green boots, and then you know you take this turn. Um, Swanee says, I can just imagine no episode this week. The guys got locked up in the Japanese prison. <laughs> <laughs> or we do it live from the Japanese prison. I'm sure that live from well. Japanese prison. <laughs> ghost stories. I don't know if I believe these guys. Yeah, that one in uh, Pavalia was also off limits, but that's one that I really want to visit. That one seems like that one se- seemed like something that like you could just pay a, you know, a boat taxi guy a few bucks there and be like, hey, bring me by for a little bit. So see well, a few people do it, but for Pavilion, I saw you can get access if you request the right things and talk to the right people. Like you can right. actually be permitted to go on there. So yeah, that's what yeah, you'd yeah. have to look so at. That's probably the outlet you want to go. Uh, Brodad says he's going to make us some new bumper stickers that says this car climbed Mount Everest. <laughs> for people who don't know what that's a reference to, Mount Washington out here is a mountain that you can actually drive up to the top. It's like the corniest thing you can do. And they all give you this. Once you reach the top, they give you a bumper sticker that says, this car climbed Mount Washington, as if that's impressive. I mean, it is a little bit of a scary drive, I guess. And I I enjoyed it when they took us there, and we did climb Mount Everest with a car, but much more, not Mount Everest, I'm sorry, Mount Washington with a car. So, um, yeah, but I I think Andrew, uh, Captain McSlugs, who's been on the show a few times, he climbed Mount Washington like a couple weeks ago. And he said once he got to the top, he had to wait in line behind all the people that drove up the mountain after he just climbed the mountain. (laughs) You've never been mad at people. Get mad at the people that don't let you skip to the line when you actually climb the mountain. Oh, man. That should be the fast pass. It's like, oh, these people climbed it. Yeah, they get to go up here a little bit earlier. I would walk right to the front of that line. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the woman's like, I'm exhausted. I napped halfway up the mountain. (laughs) We turned uh, on the yeah. auto drive and we watched Shrek as we climbed the mountain. <laughs> so fatigued. Oh, I'm ah. so tired. Have you ever have you ever watched Shrek in a in an SUV? It's exhilarating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so what happens to some of the people that do come back might actually be a little bit creepier than the people that go missing. They come back and there's been several document documented cases of people that have just actually gone completely insane 
they come back, they find them, they're rambling, like basically incoherently. They talk about seeing something and basically their mind is just absolutely melted and they're put in asylums for the rest of their life. It seems like. Yeah, that's not, not, not ideal. Yeah. I mean, would you rather be missing or would you rather be in an insane asylum? Probably missing, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, it depends on, on what kind of missing. I mean, missing as true, mean, meaning just not in an insane asylum. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure they just be, can we combine the two? Can I just be missing from the insane asylum? <laughs> Seems like a fun existence. Hey, there's a crazy guy on loose. Yeah. But we also get the normal hauntings here, right? We get stuff moving. People see shadow figures in the woods. The feeling of being followed the entire time you're walking to this round schoolhouse. Uh, apparitions have been seen within the schoolhouse and it seems to be an epicenter to the point that people have actually seen a portal. And the interesting part about this portal is they, they just say that it looks like a portal. They don't really know how to describe it because it's almost like glittery, which, which is different than anything we've ever talked about before. We're still learning about these portals. Seeing a portal is, is that I haven't heard that before. Right. So it was, and it says it's like a glitter to it or like a gleam. And that's real interesting because like you said, we haven't heard about seeing it, but like, I guess it appears and they see like stuff come out of it almost. That's weird. So, I wonder hmm. if there's video of that anywhere. I would be interested to see it. Um, it Again, it's tough to find anything from Japan because, because I'm pretty sure they have like their own different versions of YouTube and stuff over there that they use instead of mm. the actual YouTube. So you got to find tourists who went there, who came back and uploaded their footage. Right. That's, that's what we're looking at here. So a little bit more difficult to find that stuff, but yeah, that's the round schoolhouse. And I thought it, I thought the video that we did find shout out to um, the guy that filmed that from the outside, it didn't look like he went in, but the outside is enough to, to scare the hell out of you, right? Like you saw how close that abandoned car was to it. Mm-hmm. It's like right there, and, and it clearly had been there for a long, long time. So yeah, well, if you're in Japan and you have permission, or if you looked into it and see if you actually need permission, according to this website that I'm on, the times to not go would be from spring to late autumn, which sounds like you know summertime. Let's go check this thing out. But apparently, that's when the bottom floor is like mostly flooded. So it's yeah. very difficult mm-hmm. to get in and around there unless you prepare for that kind of environment. But I mean, you're talking about a building that has sitting like still water. You can get straight up diseases from walking in there. Plus whatever in the world is floating around in the waters of Japan. I don't know. How but, close yeah. to this, how close to the coast is this? Because why is it, why is it now flooded when it, it seems like for so many yeah. decades? Well, the building is not being upkept, obviously. It's you know sat there just decaying through about 50 winters. So it's it's definitely in rough shape. So it's probably a combination of, I don't think it's right on the coast, but I think it's probably a combination of the building leaking. And I think it, from the pictures, it looks like this thing is just straight up sinking into the ground. Yeah. So yeah, it's, that's it's what happens when you build a room. castle on a swamp, which I believe they taught you about in Monty Python, right? Yes. Built the first castle, <laughs> sank right into the swamp. Built a new <laughs> castle, also sank into the swamp. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, and no one, like you said, Jesse, no one there to upkeep it. The concrete is just like getting demolished. Who the hell knows what kind of animals are on that island living in it? Probably some real scary shit. That's why I wouldn't want to investigate it because we're talking about some stuff that's calling it home. That would be the scariest part. I mean, the ghosts are scary enough, but you're not just dealing with ghosts. You're dealing with some creepy wildlife that's like, oh, guess what? You're in my house. I'm just going to eat you now, and then I'm going to give you to the ghost. So, Yeah. Uh, Alpha brings up a good point. Says the kid was probably kidnapped. There was a rash of them in the mid-60s, specifically the Sayama incident. So uh, that was my first my first reaction to that story. It was like, kid got kidnapped. But I mean, people didn't see anything. The kids didn't see anything. Um, so it, that's my first reaction, though. It's probably the likely story. But again, one wrote in, one wrote out. Who could have done it? Is it possible? Yes. But you got to remember there's other missing people after the fact. 
it's not just this one child. Other people have gone missing from this location that have gone to just investigate it in the last 50 years. So it's, and there's also, um, I know everybody loves kid ghosts. People have heard children laughing and singing in this area as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely a, definitely a creepy place. Definitely one that we have added to the list. Yes. The, the very small list of Jesse. Very small. Yes. A list that is exactly however many episodes we have. Um, <laughs> Plus side content. And, so, some so. Loca- and some of the locations that some of the horror movies were also shot in. They look cool. Put them on the list. Yeah. A very small list of three three thousand seven hundred and sixty-two locations that we need to visit within our lifetime. Yes. Uh, Including yeah, the but, Titanic. Yes. Uh, there's like a whole new case on that. I don't know if you guys have looked into that. See that it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah like I've a, only seen a little bit. Yeah, there's like a submarine that goes down, and basically everyone told this guy, and this is an ongoing case. I hope they find it, but it's not looking good. They're running out of time here. But the uh, submarine that was going underwater is to go take a look at the uh, the Titanic wreckage, and there was a bunch of billionaires on board, and basically everybody warned this guy that owned this company. It's like, hey, this submarine is not ready for this kind of thing. It's not safe, and they are currently missing. So hopefully that works out for them. The submarine is, he made it himself and it's allegedly the size of a minivan and you have to bolt it shut from the outside. So like they couldn't get out of it if they wanted to, even if this thing does surface by itself, they couldn't get out of it. And they're saying he was using stuff that he got at like the fishing store or just like Jerry rigged this whole thing together. It's not approved by any government agency or anything like that. And they are, currently missing it's actually terrifying rob yeah. this, I, I can't imagine like this would, this would be extra terrifying for you but i mean like even me too I'm, I'm super claustrophobic so like you wouldn't these people paid a quarter million dollars to go on this voyage you couldn't pay me a quarter million dollars to get in a submarine the size of a minivan and go to the bottom of the ocean floor you these are billionaires well, just buy buy an actual submarine that can do it yeah I am a whore, so I might do it for a quarter million dollars, but I would be terrified the whole way. At the bottom of the ocean, Rob? I don't Rob, don't, don't lie to me. Don't lie about going <laughs> in the ocean for any amount of money. I probably wouldn't do it. I would hate it so much. I would be Rob so Rob would scared. see one jellyfish and be like, I'm out. Oh, you don't see anything. There are no windows on this thing. It's no. controlled What's with a joystick. And you can see everything through like a, a TV screen. It's like, dude, you can I can watch the couch. movie. I can watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> can watch that idiot throw that 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 necklace into the ocean, dude. That's Crazy. not enjoyable. No. You can't get out. Yeah, everything is bad. Everything is bad with that situation. I'm gonna have to look more into it because the more I hear about this, the more things get wacky. So, yes. uh, Swainy says they had 96 hours of air over 48 hours ago. I read that Thursday morning they'll be out of air. Oh boy. So ta, ta, the clock is hopefully, ticking. Hopefully they do show up. Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a no it's, for me. It's set now. It sounds like something where things could go bad with the tracking on that thing because it seems like it was kind of thrown together. But uh, if you ask me, they're probably at the bottom of the ocean, and that's uh, unfortunate. Well, they, lost, yeah, they, they apparently lost contact with it almost immediately, so that's not a good sign. Mm. Not a good sign, but no. hopefully, hopefully they're all okay. Well, that is our episode on Japan and the ocean that I will never go into in my entire life. <laughs> At least we got a we got a little bit of a idea into what it'll take to get Rob into the ocean. And it's roughly around a quarter million dollars, <laughs> but yeah. it seems that we immediately talked him out of that. So it seems like that might be a little bit more. So uh, yeah. if you haven't already, sub on Patreon. We'll see if we can get Rob into the ocean. Three dollars, <laughs> three dollars a month to get ad free episodes. Uh, Ten dollars a month, twenty dollars a month, whatever you want to give is is. It was probably a giant or, squid. Have we you have seen a bra- giant squids? They're terrible. We have a, a brand new two hundred and fifty-one thousand dollar tier, which will actually get Rob <laughs> into the ocean. So, um, yes, you know, consider uh, it. So, if we have any, have any billionaires listening, yeah, if you want to get me into the place that I will literally shit myself, <laughs> that is the ocean. Um, all right, why don't we get into some reviews? Do you have a couple of those for us, Dave? Uh, yeah, I got one right here. This is from John P. from Oak Forest, titled Awesomeness. John says, sorry, this is the second review sent to you. This was an awesome episode on Jack the Ripper. A lot of people don't actually know the ties into the serial killer H.H. H. Holmes. So from here, uh, John goes into a pretty in-depth 
uh, he goes into some pretty in-depth uh, information on some of the speculations as to when and how Holmes and the Ripper came back to Chicago and started up his murder hotel. It's pretty interesting stuff. If you want to read this whole review, you can go to our review check section and take a look at that if you like. But he wraps it up saying, love you guys to death. Keep up the great work. P.S. A lot of people don't know that currently in Chicago, there's another serial killer. This person is going around picking people up that are fresh out of the bar and drowning them in lakes and rivers. So far, it's up to 15. Kind of interesting. We were talking about H.H. Holmes, a serial killer in Chicago, and now there's another one over a century later. Which has also been happening over the last few years in Boston. So very similar case. I, see, I thought I heard the story. I, sound, I thought it yeah. sounded familiar. Yeah, it's but, mostly uh, Cambridge, I believe. I have to yeah, brush up on it. Yeah, basically, it's whoever this is is finding drunk guys who are leaving a bar alone and then just toss them in the Charles River, as far as I'm, yeah. as far as I know. So, yeah. so it's also uh, happening in Chicago. That's crazy. Yeah, couple more. It happened in London too. So, like, it, it's happened in quite a few cities. Um, this one is from B eight three six five, titled "Excellent Podcast." So, I found this show while watching Rob's Spike Week content, and was immediately hooked. Reignited my love of this genre. Very cool. I do like when my two very separate things overlap. So I'm glad that you found this from Spike Week. Thank you for that. Um, and then this other one is from Go Pats and War Eagle for Life, titled Hometown Ghost Stories Delivers. This was another long one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of it, and you can read the full review on our iTunes page. But Hometown Ghost Stories, hosted by the talented trio of Jesse, Dave, and Rob, has quickly become the highlight of my week. With each new episode dropping on Tuesday nights at 9, I, in, I eagerly anticipate the live cast in their captivating tales. I've been binge listening all their episodes during my two-hour commute to work. I feel so bad for you. I was there. It's the worst. Good luck on the two-hour commute. It sucks. Um, the stories featured on the Hometown Ghost Stories are nothing short of remarkable. From chilling legends to spine-tiggling encounters, the hosts expertly narrate these haunted tales, leaving me on the edge of my seat. Their impeccable storytelling skills brings the supernatural to life, enveloping listeners in a world of mystery and intrigue. What truly sets this podcast apart is the dynamic chemistry between the hosts. The post-narration conversations are an absolute delight filled with engaging discussions and witty banter. So there's a little bit more on that, but that's... um, a bit of that review we want to thank you for those reviews you too can leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast and if you are in our discord i have dropped a giveaway that is tied to leaving us a review so go to our discord check that out and you could actually win a t-shirt that we will be giving away on our next listeners review next listener submitted story which is going to be on a monday Monday, July 3rd, we're going to be doing a live episode then. Since the 4th of July falls on a Tuesday, you can win a free t-shirt. So go to the Discord, read about that. And uh, yeah, it's a good reason to join the Discord. Cool. Let's thank our patrons real quick. Uh, we have for VIPs, Allison V, Jeannie R, Lisa J, Mike Oubliette, Blake, Mom and Pops W, Peach Smoothie, Robert H, Demon King, and uh, Inspires Gaming. Thank you guys so much. We also have 32 DRC, Ambie Rose, Anna C, Chris C, Donnie N, Elizabeth Young, Lily, Jake V, Janice G, Marfire, Matthew T, Papa Squatch, Rachel B, Randy C, Sarah Cook, Stephanie A, Sydney B, Al Capone, and a brand new one. Welcome in to the Ghost Pirate Mafia, Al Capone's poorly taxidermied corn dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) Al Capone's poorly taxidermied corn dinosaur thank you so much and welcome i was yeah. so thrilled making the the patreon screen for the video earlier trying to make that fit in somewhere so yeah if you've you never that. if you've never typed out credits before um <laughs> long names are a nightmare but we left that open for you maybe we put a little character limit on the three dollar tier but i don't know <laughs> anyways thank you so much al capone's poorly taxidermied corn dinosaur we appreciate that we also have another new one which is alicia espinoza thank you so much and welcome in anthony t brand uh brandon w brennan b captain mcslugs kath q cody Gar- uh cody g Castle, Huggy Bear, Joe R, Kiralee J, Mark M, Mariah M, Nuthouse Queen, Paul from St. Louis, Sam from Nepal, Sarah L. I mean, I'm sorry. Who the hell is that? Sarah R, <laughs> Scotty L, Solar Flare, Soph, Hooper, uh, Swanee, Page Two, the other Rachel B. Thank you guys so much. 
That is a long list. That is a long list. Long list. Um, I'm, no, I'm no longer just going to abbreviate the last names. I'm going to abbreviate the first <laughs> first names too. Here, A V J R L J. No, that's that's unfair. We committed to this, and we're going to do it. But three dollars a month, you jump on a jump on Patreon, and you get ad free episodes, bonus content, all that kind of fun stuff. You hear about it every single week. So we'll wrap it up there. Anything else, gentlemen? Yeah, one last thing. Um, some people in the chat right remember seeing a fox crown that used to be in the chat. Uh, Patreon member Stephen V going through a really rough time right now. Things are not good. He's in the hospital, so we're hoping he pulls through. So just keep him in your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Send uh, send him your prayers and your legend Fox Crown, one of the OGs. He was one of the first ones here. He was always in the yes. live chat, so we do appreciate that, and we're we're pulling for you, buddy. So um, Friday we're going to cover a wild one for side content. I don't know if. I don't know if I'm ready for this because the more I read into it, the more it gets crazy and crazy. But uh, yeah, we're gonna jump into some cult stuff, which yes. uh, we haven't dove, we haven't dove too much into cults. I don't really know where this fits. We're gonna call it a dark mystery. It's pretty straightforward what happened here, but there are some mysterious elements to this. So we, we we're gonna be covering the the Church of Bucky McHat. Mm. Yes, we don't know. We don't understand these people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it's it's gonna be a good one. And then where are we going on Tuesday? Tuesday, we are going to Fredericksburg, Texas. Oh, back to Texas. Bunch of haunted stuff there. I was looking into it today, and uh, I'm excited for this one. Awesome. Serena says, I love cults with five exclamation points, and I think I'm concerned. That's a little too much enthusiasm <laughs> for cults. <laughs> Just let me in! <laughs> uh, we appreciate everyone who's hanging out and uh, who joined us for today's broadcast we'll be back on tuesday live episode hometown ghost stories anything else gentlemen that's it for me later